The Water Values Podcast, Session 54. Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resources, treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now here's your host, Dave McGinsey. Hello and welcome to another session of the Water Values Podcast. As my son Joey said, I'm Dave McGimsey. Thanks for joining me. And a happy St. Patrick's Day to you all. I hope everyone is discovering a bit of Irish in them today. Before we get going, just a few housekeeping notes. First, uh, please take a few minutes to go to thewatervalues.com and take the listener survey. It's really short, like 10 questions short, and won't take much of your time. And a big thank you to those of you who've already taken the survey. It'll, I think it'll really help uh, provide you the content you want to hear about water uh, in the future. Uh, and I'll, I'll leave it up indefinitely. I'll leave that survey uh, up on the website indefinitely, too, so that folks who are listening down the road can take it as well. Uh, second, if you missed something during the interview today, uh, make sure you check out the show notes on thewatervalues.com. There you'll find everything you need to know about the interview today, including uh, links mentioned during the interview. Today's interview is with Terence McDonough, who is an economics professor at the National University of Ireland in Galway, Ireland, uh, which is on the western coast of Ireland. If you've paid attention to the news over the last year or so, you've seen protests in Ireland over the imposition of water charges. There's been op-ed pieces in the New York Times. There's been articles in multiple uh, news outlets. Uh, and you may be you know, curious what's really behind a lot of the unrest in Ireland, because at least here in the U.S., we're used to paying uh, for our water, at least directly to the utility that's providing it. Well, Terry's here to clear up what is the complex issue of water charges in Ireland. I hope you enjoy it. With that said, let's get on with it. Open the valves, fasten your seatbelts, and here we go. All right, well, Terry, thank you so much for coming on to the Water Values Podcast. You're actually our first international, or maybe our second international guest we've had uh, on to the Water Values Podcast. So really appreciate your time. To, to start off, Terry, could you tell us a little about your background and your current profession? Okay, I'm here in Galway in Ireland. Uh, I'm a professor of economics at the National University of Ireland in Galway, and I've been an economist for most of my professional life. I'm originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I've been in Ireland for about 20 years now. Ah, okay. Terrific. So uh, can you tell us a little about uh, the story of water in Ireland? Sure. The uh, One of the interesting things, I suppose, about the provision of Irish water is that it's highly decentralized in that uh, we have 34 local authorities. Uh, that would be equivalent to town and county governments. And each one of them is responsible for supplying water in its own area, or has been uh, up until very recently. And the way in which the water has been supplied is really very localized systems. And so that uh, about 82% of the water is surface water, which would be different from at least the rest of Europe. Uh, we're not relying too much on wells, and that causes problems with uh, the environmental impact in that sometimes the water systems can get in the way of fish habitat and that sort of thing. Uh, they can also be a bit less uh, reliable 
and that we've had shortages specifically in in Dublin recently because of changes probably associated with climate change. Even in rainy Ireland, the rain is a little less reliable than it used to be on the East Coast. Hmm. Okay. Uh, just curious, you mentioned some of the, 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 the environmental problems that have arisen through the predominantly surface water uh, manner of, of getting water for, you know, for drinking. Yeah. Has, have wells been looked into, or is it just uneconomical? What, what's, why is surface water still predominating? I think it's partly because we've had a tradition of uh, being very much aware here that uh, water does fall from the sky uh, and falls from the sky in great quantities. Uh, so that uh, I suspect, however, and I, I'm not a geologist by any means, that large parts of the country would be somewhat uh, difficult to supply from wells on a large basis simply because um, there's a lot of uh, boggy areas and that in the West Coast uh, there's some limestone where, where the water drains pretty much uh, out, of the, out of the ground. During, during the summertime, so that it's probably would be uh, maybe not quite as reliable as it would be somewhere else. But uh, uh, I'm not that intimate with the geology of it. Okay. Uh, in terms of, of the provision of drinking water to Irish businesses and homes, historically, how how was that water provided? I mean, was it, was it metered? Um, is there any statistics on on average, you know, consumption of water? Sure. Well, it's been far from metered. <laughs> it's, uh, in, uh, up until 1977, the water was paid for through what we call the system of uh, rates. And rates in Ireland are basically local property taxes. So you would pay rates on your house, and in there, those rates uh, would be included, not too terribly explicitly, but a percentage of it would be regarded as payment for uh, the water services supplied by the local authority. But in 1977, the government, uh, probably mostly as a, as a shrewd political move, abolished rates. So in abolishing the local property tax, uh, they also abolished the water charge. And so that from there up until about the mid-1980s, uh, the water was not charged for at all. Uh, income tax and uh, VAT, which is our sales tax, uh, were raised at the same time in order to make up for the abolition of rates. So there's been a sense ever since then, ever since 1977, that people have been paying for water through their general taxation system. Uh, in the mid-1980s, uh, local authorities were given the option to bring back water charges. Uh, but over time, so much opposition to paying for water developed specifically in Dublin where that uh, in 1997, the water charges were abolished again. And we haven't had water charges uh, all the way up until pretty much right now. We're looking forward, I suppose, in a sense, 
to uh, the first uh, billing for water, which, we've, uh, which will happen in a couple of months. We've brought back water charges uh, at the urging of the uh, Troika, which uh, is the EU institutions and the IMF, uh, which paid for Ireland's bank bailout or bailed out Ireland after Ireland paid for the banks. So water charges have come back in again, uh, but have come back in again at the behest of foreign organizations and associated with uh, ultimately trying to pay for some of the consequences of the banking crisis. Okay, uh, let's break this down a little more in terms of water had been in the property tax uh, rates, as you as you called them, uh, were were those water systems, you know, based on what you've you've indicated that uh, it's a very fragmented uh, market. Were those water systems, uh, the local property tax was was going to the local utilities. So there was a lot of little local utilities that were getting their money from the government. Um, yes, that's that's basically right. Uh, there were. Uh, 939 separate uh, public water supplies, uh, and that supplied about 80% of the population. Uh, and then the remaining 20% uh, was served by uh, roughly uh, a thousand smallish group schemes. Uh, where an area of houses would have a single well, for instance, where um, the water was supplied. About half of those were public, half of those were private. Uh, and then a certain number of people, of course, had their own, own domestic wells. So I suppose you could say it was quite fragmented. There was about 2,000 um, group and public water supplies uh, in the country and still is. I mean, that's that's basically where the water comes from. How are the environmental regulations? Is there is there an equivalent in the in the United States? You know, we have the the Environmental Protection Agency, and they have the uh, the Safe Drinking Water Act and the Clean, right. Clean Water Act. Is there a similar type of system in Ireland to to ensure water quality? Yes, there there's a fairly a uh, tight system of quality monitoring and, and certain standards which are are set actually at the European Union level. Uh, the, the new water authority will be uh, monitored both by the energy regulator on the one hand and the environmental protection agency on the other. We actually don't have that much problem with kind of industrial type pollution. Um, the the major problems have been agriculturally related in in more in the rural areas of Ireland. We've got uh, several areas which have been on boil water notices for for months now. I think uh, one or two places for for over a year. Oh wow! And, and uh, that's. Mostly due to, well, the, the organism. Uh, I said I wasn't a geologist before. <laughs> I'm not a geologist either, but the organism is called Cryptosporidium. Uh, and it's a, it's a tiny, tiny parasite. And uh, 
it basically gives you deli belly. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I had a, uh, a colleague in the economics department who moved from India to Ireland uh, and uh, in his first year here, uh, the Indian got belly belly in Galway City from the first <laughs> Okay, so let's let's uh, fast forward. The, the when the rates went away in 1977, and they started paying it from income taxes. How how was the money transferred from whoever collected the was the were the taxes collected at the local level, or was that a national tax? How did that money get distributed back to the utilities? That seems to me a yeah. It was uh, it's basically given as a couple of different subventions depending on i mean i say that in in general the taxes income tax and sales tax were raised uh but in fact the pots of money which they uh take the money out of are strangely enough uh, about two-thirds of it uh comes from the motor tax mm. and uh and of course, the the various automobile associations and uh, drivers organizations are, are rather upset about that. Uh, and then the the other third of it uh, comes from a direct subvention which uh, the government makes to the local authorities for all of their expenses, and a portion of that is diverted to water and it covers what's not been covered by the motor tax. But of course, in the future, uh, they're, they're planning on bringing in water charges. So uh, uh, about half the money uh, will be coming from the water charges and the other half from some kind of government subvention. Well, okay, well, that's an interesting point. That's something I did not know is that uh, I, I think most folks who have been paying attention to the news know that uh, Ireland will be implementing these water charges, yes. and, there, and there's a lot of unrest about it. But even, uh, even though, even though the water charges are going to be implemented, they're not going to be kind of full cost water. They're still a component of the rates that is going to be collected through the, essentially the motor taxes, as as you were in, indicating. Yes, they'll probably continue to come from the motor tax. The what they've ultimately come up with is 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 just a bit complicated. Well, it's been complicated all along. There was uh, there was uh, a fair number of uh, uh, shifts back and forth uh, by the government. It's it's a coalition government uh, between a large center right party called Fine Gael. Uh, which is a couple of Irish words, and then the Irish Labour Party, which would be similar to the British Labour Party. Those two groups are in coalition with one another. Uh, there was a certain uh, range of charges that were announced by the larger coalition partner, averaging, they said, about 240, 48 euros a year. And that would be the, the charge, and it would differ according to uh, how many people were in your family. And once you got a meter installed, would differ according to how much water you're using. Uh, the, the smaller coalition partner 
forced them to roll that back to an average of about 240 uh, with a certain level of uh, free water, essentially. I think it's uh, about 30,000 liters, 30,000 liters of uh, free allowance and then extra allowances for children under 18. But the population was not happy with that. Uh, in the past year, we've had uh, a big central demonstration in Dublin, which uh, was attended by about 100,000 people. And then the next big set of demonstrations were in uh, local population centers, and they figure that it went up to maybe 150,000. Well, the government has announced uh, that the uh, charge for water will be now a flat rate for each household of 260 euros. But the government will also give what they call a water conservation grant of 100 euros to every household so that your net charge for water will be about 160 euros. And that was a climb down in response to the demonstrations and the government fearing that it was going to lose the next election, which will happen in about a, a year's time. Yeah. So this is this is fascinating. There are just so many questions in so many different directions we can go. But I, I certainly want to dig into the the backlash and the reasons behind it. Uh, but I'd, I'd like to find out a little more about, you know, are all these uh, I know there's a, a utility out there called Irish Water. Right. Uh, is is that kind of the. The utility are they taking ownership of all these public systems and and they're implementing the the rates through through that Irish water entity or how how is this very fragmented uh, utility structure how is how is how are the the rates going to be you know coming to fruition through that yeah the uh, well that is the challenge in some sense the technical challenge. Uh, for for Irish Water. Irish Water is uh, a semi-state company, and it was established specifically to implement this program of beginning to charge for water. And the decision was made to centralize it. So basically all of the public schemes um, of which, as I say, there are about, uh, uh, there's about 1,500 of them, uh, are being transferred to Irish Water. Initially, Irish Water is going to collect the charges and receive a government subsidy and then contract with all of the separate local schemes uh, to supply the water. But over about a five-year period, the administration of all of that is going to be transferred to Irish Water, and the water will be supplied by the one company. And there will we'll move from 34 local authorities to uh, one central uh, water service for the whole of uh, whole of Ireland. When when we start moving along here in terms of uh, of these water charges, is there any plan 
uh, through Irish Water that uh, that eventually the motor tax uh, funding will will go away and the the charges by Irish Water will eventually become kind of full cost water service. Right. Well, the immediate concern is that the government wants to fund the capital costs through borrowing. And uh, it wants that borrowing to be off its balance sheet uh, because Ireland has had a severe, as you've probably heard, a, a very severe uh, economic crisis on foot of the international financial crisis and has under the bailout program from the European institutions and the International Monetary Fund, it's had to uh, bring its deficits down quite sharply. And if it had to borrow money to invest in the capital costs of improving the water system, that would contribute to the deficit. But since Irish Water is a semi-state company, it can borrow money off the government's balance sheet. And so any money borrowed by Irish Water doesn't count towards the deficit. Uh, but in order for uh, that accounting rule to apply, Irish Water has to receive over 50% of its revenues from private charges. So it basically has to charge enough so that it gets 51% of its uh, expenses, costs, uh, income uh, from the charges, and then it can get the other 49% uh, from the government subvention. This is why the government is charging households 260 uh, euro and then effectively giving them uh, 100 euro back in the form of this grant. Uh, because it can count the whole 260 euro as income for the semi-state Irish water, uh, whereas the 100 euro grant is coming through uh, the general budget. And so there's a bit of a fiction about how much actual revenue Irish water is generating uh, through its charges. Uh, there's only a certain percentage of houses uh, which have had meters installed. The installation of meters is an ongoing process. But uh, the, uh, they've announced this flat charge, uh, so it's not really clear what, what role the meters uh, are going to play. Hmm. I, as an economist, what, what are your thoughts on kind of the flat charges and getting these meters installed so that consumption can be monitored? Yeah, I think that uh, I, I'm very sympathetic, I think, to a lot of the objections in that I don't think that it's really appropriate or really very good for uh, environmental issues to bring this in on the back of a kind of punitive debt bailout, which has to do at the end of the day with uh, a lot of uh, bad practice by both Irish and European banks. Uh, but I think that ultimately there, there needs to be some kind of uh, track kept on the amount of water used. And uh, up to a certain point, uh, I think people should pay for use. 
Sure. Sure. Well, let's get to the backlash. What's your perception of the reasons behind the backlash? Because you know, sitting here, uh, you know, I've we've had to pay for water all along, and it, and it wasn't kind of through as a conduit through some other tax. It was it was typically, uh, you, you know, simply a, a payment to the water or sewer utility who was who was mailing out the bills. So I'm kind of curious, uh, what what is the rationale behind the the backlash against charges for water service. Yes, partly, partly it's that uh, there never has been any charge, so people have not gotten used to it. This is unusual in a European context. Uh, I know it's unusual in in an American context as well. Uh, there are a number of sources, I think, uh, to the hostility, which is this. Uh, has encountered, and one of them is simply uh, austerity fatigue. That is, uh, under the bailout program, the government has had to cut back on uh, many government programs and has also uh, had to raise many taxes. Uh, they've done it through uh, various kinds of charges uh, with under various headings. And to some extent, I think the water charge was the charge that or broke the camel's back, in a sense, uh, the straw that broke the camel's back. And so that some of the anger is not really just about water. It's, it's about the austerity program in general. Uh, so I think that's one issue. Uh, another issue is that people are very aware that when the household rates were abolished, that uh, income tax and uh, sales taxes were raised at the same time. And so people feel that the imposition of a charge for water without reducing the other taxes is double taxation. There's a sense that uh, the money is not really going to go for improving the water system, uh, that as money starts to come in from, from the charging, that the government will simply lower its subvention. What is it lowering the subvention for? It's lowering the subvention to the water system in order to pay off um, interest on debt, which was accumulated in the bailout of the banks. So people feel, in a sense, like their water charge isn't going for water, it's going to bail out the banks, um, which is, uh, well, quite serious psychologically uh, in terms of building any support for, for the water system. Uh, the Irish water itself has gotten into a certain amount of trouble uh, it's been kind of under a microscope, and it's people have objected to its bonus payment system for uh, its employees and specifically its executives. They've objected to the consultants which have been brought in uh, and on various parts of the operation. Ultimately, and I don't think that this is uh, necessarily far-fetched at all, that there's a fear that if you start to charge for water, you'll be able to privatize that income stream. That is, you could 
simply sell off the water system then because if there's a set of charges which provide an income stream that would be a profitable investment. In addition, uh, there's the system is so leaky, uh, they figure about 41% of the treated water just leaks off into the ground. And so people kind of wonder, well, why are you metering me if you're letting 40% of the water just leak away? So there's a whole range of uh, sources for, for this opposition, and it, it can be quite passionate. It sounds like a very complex, complex problem. Is there any concern, um, essentially, that, that look to the extent capital investment is made in the system, uh, I'm paying all these rates and, and you're putting the investment in that other, you know, you're making the, investing the capital in, in another area, in another geographic area, so I'm not benefiting from that. Is there any concern along those lines? There would be a certain amount of uh, regional tension between uh, Dublin and uh, the other regions in that, as I say, Dublin has encountered a certain amount of uh, problems in maintaining a proper uh, flow of water, not every summer, but the occasional summer, the, the reservoirs do start to dry up and there have been plans to bring water, uh, mostly through canals, from uh, the western part of the country. And uh, the, the question there becomes, uh, well, why couldn't we have economic development in the west uh, and use the water where it is, rather than concentrating all of our economic development in Dublin and then having to pump water out of the underdeveloped regions uh, to to the metropolis. Uh, so there's a bit of tension there along those lines. Is there a conservation movement or ethic in Dublin so that so that these types of capital projects wouldn't have to take place? Well, the general feeling is that uh, it's the leaks that are the problem, mm -hmm. and. If they were able to manage to fix the leaks, and it, it probably is the case that if they were able to invest enough uh, to provide the proper infrastructure, cut off a lot of this source of loss of water, that there would not be a shortage uh, in Dublin. The question then becomes, well, where does the money come from to put in the proper infrastructure? And uh, one side says, well, it's infrastructure. It should come from general taxation. Uh, the other side says, well, nobody's ever going to uh, basically approve enough general taxation. We're going to have to get the money from uh, charges. And the best way, most fairest way uh, to levy charges is according to uh, how much water you use and therefore uh, there should be metering of water. Uh, I think that uh, in order to deal with that, I think what they probably should have done, uh, and this applies, I think, to the uh, water program in the country as a whole, is fix the leaks first. And it's very difficult to tell people that uh, you were going to meter your water consumption in order to encourage you to conserve and use less water. 
when the system itself is wasting 40% uh, of the water. So that I think the leaks should have been fixed first. I think at that point, you could look at charging for ongoing use for water. I think part of the metering problem is that people didn't have a sense that of what they were going to pay. So you could imagine all kinds of charges uh, based on whatever they decided to charge per liter and based on a usage by your own household, which the, the volume of which you didn't know uh, since you've never been metered before. I think it would have made sense to install the meters, uh, let them run for a year or two uh, with some kind of flat charge perhaps, or continue to supply the water out of uh, general taxation. Uh, and then when people uh, knew how much they were actually using and then became informed on what strategies they might implement to, to reduce that water use below uh, some threshold uh, below which the charges wouldn't apply, then I think the meters would have been uh, quite a useful thing uh, in terms of preventing excessive water use and some kind of charge for, for water over and above uh, the threshold would have made uh, sense, really. And I think uh, despite the passion that's out there at the moment, uh, I think would have garnered support for uh, genuine conservation measures. As it is now, people are thinking, well, the system is broken, the politicians let it break, uh, now they want to charge us, but it looks like the charges are going off to pay the bank debts. Well, it'd be interesting to see a creative rate design uh, be implemented, like like Jeff Hughes discussed in episode 47, uh, one where, where meters would run for a year or two, and then rates would then be based on that prior year's consumption, and you could you could modify your, your going forward consumption based on your historical consumption. I think that that would have been wise. I think that uh, in the Irish case, I think there's evidence to support um, that suggestion that I think a lot of people were watching the meter being installed and thinking, we don't really know how fast this meter is going to tot up the charges. And therefore, we're opposed to an imaginary charge which could be quite large in people's minds. But if you have allowed the meters uh, to run for a year on either no charge or a flat charge, people would have had some concrete sense of what they were going to actually be charged rather than um, a kind of vague fear of how big this number might be. I would also probably suggest maybe in the same spirit that the following year uh, you would allow people to uh, engage in water conservation measures to try and bring uh, the, the, the level of usage down, which would also make it more affordable. And then in the subsequent years, you could start to talk about uh, actually uh, bringing in a charge. I think there need, would need to be a certain amount of free water use under a threshold 
And there would certainly have to be uh, a very strict assurance uh, that the water system would not be privatized. I think people uh, have been looking at various instances of water privatization uh, and uh, are not happy uh, really with what they hear about that. So the fear of privatization uh, is closely connected to the meters and the charges. And if you could separate those things, I think you'd have more support uh, for metering in service of a conservation agenda in Ireland anyway. Well, Terry, you've, you've done a fantastic job kind of educating us about uh, a lot of the nuances of the Irish water question. And so I want to thank you for that. And thank you very much for your time. Uh, for those folks who want to find about, find out more about you and Irish water uh, and the conflict over water charges in Ireland, where can they go to find that information? Well, Irish Water itself has a website, and it's water.ie. The opposing campaign, uh, the national organization, though there are many different local organizations, calls itself the right to water, one word, and two is the number two. So it's R-I-G-H-T, two, W-A-T-E-R. Myself, I have a website at terrencemcdonoughalloneword.ie. Terrific. Well, Terry, again, thanks so much uh, for your balanced perspective on all this. Really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks again. Okay. Thank you. You're most welcome. Okay. Bye, Terry. Bye. Well, I hope you liked that interview with Terry McDonough and now realize what a complex situation the question of water charges uh, in Ireland really is. Uh, because it was a long interview, I'll be quick with only one takeaway, and that is the lesson learned from the Irish, Irish water experience is transparency. When designing rates or service charges or really any type of fee, especially that imposed by a government, make sure you're transparent from the beginning. It'll save you a lot of anguish later on. Well, you can check the show notes out for this session at thewatervalues.com forward slash pod 54. Leave a comment on the show notes or email me at david at thewatervalues.com. You can also tweet at me at DTM1993, and you can tweet about the podcast using the hashtag watervalues. And don't forget to rate and please review the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast directories. And please don't forget to tell your friends and colleagues about the podcast and to sign up for the Water Values newsletter, which can be done at thewatervalues.com. In closing, please remember to keep the core message of the Water Values podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource, so please join me by going out into the world and acting like it. listening to the Water Values Podcast. Thank you for spending some of your day with my dad and me. Thank you for tuning into the disclaimer. I'm a lawyer licensed in Colorado and Indiana, and this podcast does not establish an attorney-client relationship with you or anyone else. And information in this podcast should not be considered legal advice. 
Further, this podcast is not a solicitation for professional employment. I'm just a lawyer who finds water issues interesting and who believes greater public education about water issues is necessary. And that includes enhancing my own education about water issues because no one knows everything about water. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.